Okay, Change or Die, part three. Part three. The title of the message is My Body, My Choice, My Change. Let's just talk about that title for a moment, because I can just feel the temperature rising right now in the room. We know that there is um, a great debate. It really shouldn't be a debate. There's this great debate in our country about is that body inside the woman's body a body? The answer is yes. Uh, biblically, that's a human being. Uh, God is in charge of life, and scripture from Genesis to Revelation talks about the fact that if, if we're conceived, we are his. We, we, we are a creation of God. He knit us together in our mother's womb. Amen? He said to Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. So it even is even before then. Paul the apostle said that the God who set me apart in my mother's womb and called me to preach. Hey, God knows what you're supposed to do before you come out of the womb. And I love that. We're pro-life as a church. I'm pro-life as a Christian, not a pastor, as a Christian. That doesn't mean I'm Republican. That means I'm Christian and biblical. We believe that life begins at conception. Today is National Right to Life Sunday. So I thought I would use the opponents of, uh, of that position. I, I thought they, I'd use their mantra, my body, my choice, uh, for the title of my message, if for no other reason than to make everybody feel tense in the first five minutes of the sermon. But here's the deal. We are not just pro-life hashtag. Anybody can hashtag something. Anybody can tweet something or Facebook status post something. Um, we are about action. How many know actions speak louder than words? And we are fully aware that there are women in our communities that are experiencing unplanned pregnancies. They, they don't know what they're going to do. They're told one thing by the world, we wanna give them an alternative. And so we partner with uh, Abundant Hope, uh, Abundant Life, sorry, what is going on? Siri is messed up on my thing here. Uh, Abundant Hope Pregnancy Resource Center in um, Attleboro, and we just recently started supporting uh, a new pregnancy resource center called CareNet Rhode Island. And uh, they are actively helping women experiencing unplanned pregnancies uh, make the right choice. Uh, they get people the gospel. They see women saved. Most importantly, they see many, many pregnancies not end in abortion, but see that child come to life. And so we take one-tenth of your tithes, whatever you give, and we tithe as a church. I don't know if you know that. We tithe as a church. So one-tenth of all that comes in goes out. It goes to Guatemala. It will go to Peru very shortly. Actually, it already is. It's going uh, into ARC church planting. We plant churches around the country with a corp organization called uh, Association of Related Churches. We support missions in India, uh, in El Salvador, uh, and, and all over the world, really. And, and we don't believe that we should just be for preaching the gospel. We should also be funding preaching the gospel. Can I get a good amen? All right, so 10% goes out, and now we're gonna start sponsoring Karen out of Rhode Island. I don't know if you know, one out of four pregnancies in, in Rhode Island end in abortion, one out of four, 25%. That's shocking to me. And we wanna be a voice for the truth. We wanna be a voice for life, amen? And if you disagree with that position, uh, we just want you to know, read the scriptures. It's not our position, it's God's position. And we stand on the word of God in this church, like it or leave it, it's his word, not ours. Can I get a better amen than that from First Service on Sunday? God bless you. 
All right, my body, my choice, my change. You've got a choice in your change. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. We're gonna get there in just a moment. And I've been uh, preaching about the change that God wants to bring in our lives. It is January. It is the month that we decide to change. And that change, that month comes right before the month that we give up on changing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so... Um, what does real change look like? What does real change look like? I'm preaching with a friend today. This is my friend. Uh, some of you can tell your friends that pastor brought pot on stage. Um, does anybody remember what happened last week? I dropped a seed into this pot. Anybody remember? Look what happened. Everybody say hello to Planty. Yeah, this is my... <laughs> This is my new friend. I dropped the seed in and he came out. Isn't that cool? Like, that's cool. I mean, just, just a couple of days ago. Can we get the camera real close? We'll show you here. You can see this leaf. Can you see this leaf right here? It looks like, there it is. Yeah, no, that's my finger. There it is right there. You see that right there? Nope. There, there, okay. See that? It looks like a, it looks like a little bean right there, okay? I need a manicure. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, that, that seed went into the ground and started to sprout. And I talked about the fact last week that when it comes to change, God provides two agents to help us change. Two agents. And they're the same two, and they're symbolized in the physical by the agents that brought about this change. They're symbolized, uh, there, there are physical symbols in our world that speak to spiritual realities. I believe that. When Jesus taught about the kingdom, he talked about natural things. He talked about a sower sowing seed. He talked about uh, a, a father and his sons. He, he talked about the sun being red, and you know what the weather's going to be like, and so determine how to read the signs of the times and all that kind of stuff. He taught about spiritual things using physical realities. Are you following me? So when it comes to growth and change, I believe that there are spiritual realities to be picked up on the natural transformation of seed into sprouts and into plants. And so there are two agents we talked about last week that provide the impetus for our change that come from heaven, the same change agents that come from heaven for this plant. This plant needs two things from heaven. What are those two things? The sun and Rain or water, right. So from heaven, the sun and the rain fall and change starts to happen. And I talked about that the sun and the rain point to spiritualities for us. Who does the sun, S-U-N, point to? Goodness gracious, do I need to preach that message all over again? Okay, first off, 99% of the time, when the pastor asks, who am I talking about in church, the answer is Jesus. So let's try this again. Who does the sun point to? Jesus. Oh, there you go. You guys are bright. All right. Anyway, the rain's going to fall too. Now, who does the rain? Now, this is not, this is not Jesus. Who does the rain? Who does the rain point to? The Holy Spirit, right? The scripture talks about the rain of the Holy Spirit. And so just like this plant's got heavenly uh, resources that provide change, so do you. So do you. You can change. Somebody say, I can change. Husbands, turn to your wife and say, you can change. <laughs> no, don't do that. Anyway, uh, you, you got the power to change through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Can I get a good amen? All right. 
Now, just like this plant needs heavenly realities to provide change, it also needs some human realities to change. Uh, there's gonna be some things that humans can do to provide resources to this plant to change it. What are some of those resources? Fertilizer, yeah, that's right. We could, we could put some fertilizer on this plant and, and help what? What does fertilizer do? It does what? It feeds the plant. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. There are things that you can do to supplement and cooperate with what heaven does to produce change in you. You can fertilize your spiritual life. What else can you do? Say, say we go through a real hard time where there's no rain. What else can we do? We can water it. We can do some human watering. So are there things that we can do uh, as Christians that provide some spiritual life into us? Yes, there are. What, what else can we do? We can slip on some of these puppies right here. We can slip on some of these, some gloves. And, and what am I gonna do if I'm gonna slip these things on? I'm gonna weed it, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut away. Listen very carefully. I'm gonna cut away some things that are gonna suck the life out of this plant. I'm pruning it, that's right. You're gonna prune it. You take things away that's not necessary and will hinder growth. Are you following me? I'm talking about your choice in the change. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Jesus comes and says, no condemnation. I took your sins on the cross. No condemnation. I wonder who here, you had an abortion and you feel condemnation based on what I just said. I wanna tell you something. Your sins are forgiven just like my sins are forgiven. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Okay, the Spirit comes in, empowers us. But listen, we can't just sit in church on Sunday and think that's all that's necessary is to hear pastor yell at us for 45 minutes and change is gonna happen. Amen. You gotta do some things. You have a choice in the change. And I want you to take it seriously in your life. So with that in mind, let's get to a passage today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to stand with me at all of our locations. Chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, verse 24. Here's what Paul the Apostle says. He says in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And this is the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this moment where we get to hear from you. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And I ask God that change will happen in people's lives today. And not just today, but every day as we walk step by step with you. Help us to hear you and help us to see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray and everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you, have a seat. You gotta change. You got a choice in the change. Okay, I, I got a quote for you. 
I got a quote. This is from a world changer, someone very important in the world, historical figure, uh, kind of. And uh, I want to see if you can guess who it is. Here's the quote. What are you willing to do and what are you willing to give up to be the best you can be? You only have so much energy and the clock is ticking on all of us. If you want to compete against me, you better be willing to give up your life because I'm giving up mine, end quote. Who said that? Yes, Tom Brady. Not Julius Caesar, not George Washington, not Martin Luther King Jr. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is in the conference championship once again. I rebuke you, sir. I rebuke you. This is very painful for true Patriots fans. I'm sure our Florida campus is all happy right now. Okay. He's, he's back at it, right? This guy will not stop. And now he's striking a dagger in all of our hearts up in New England. For the sake of football, he's giving up his life. Think about that. For the sake of putting tights on on Sunday morning and throwing a ball to another dude wearing tights, he's willing to give up his life. He takes it seriously. I mean, it's everything to him. And he's winning again and again and again because of the decisions that he makes, listen, when no one's looking. He doesn't get up on that field and just wing it. He doesn't last this long because he's just that good or that blessed by God. No, he's made a thousand decisions a week to restrict himself, to feed himself properly, to prune from his game what's not helping, to weed out the things that are gonna hurt his physicality. He's doing all that for football. And I wonder who here today needs to understand that you in Christ Jesus have got a greater calling than Tom Brady. You've got a call on your life to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You friends are the people of almighty God. Take it seriously. I mean, who here is struggling right now with a repeated sin and you need victory? Who here is going through something in your marriage and you just can't see eye to eye and things aren't changing because your hearts are stubborn? Who here is on the verge of suicide or struggling with depression or anxiety and you don't know if you can ever climb out of this hole? I got news for you that God's given you a choice in the matter that you can have victory after victory after victory when you give your life to Jesus Christ and make a thousand decisions a week to say no to sin and no to flesh and no to the world and yes to Jesus. That's what today's about. So here's, so here's point one. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes. Oh, you knew the answer to that one. Okay, good. Write it down, right? My development is a serious matter. My development is a serious matter. God wants me to win. Somebody needs to say that to themselves right now. You need to say it to yourself right now. Go ahead and say it. God wants me to win. See, some, some Christians, they really bug me. They think that God just wants you to be a loser your entire life. They think it's more spiritual to be broke, 
to be uh, an outcast, to be a nobody, to never succeed. They think that's spiritual. That's not spiritual, that's the devil's lies. The devil wants you to see all, be all those things so that when you tell people you're a Christian, they want no part of it. Oh, that, you mean, oh, you, you're a son of that abusive father from heaven. Oh yeah, I get it. No, 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 God loves you. He's a father in heaven who cares about how your life goes. And I don't know where you've been, I don't know what you've done, I don't know how you've failed before, but I got news for you. Today can be a new day. There is grace available for your life to change today. And so Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9. He talks about that Christians should be people who aim to win. 1 Corinthians 9.24, again, put it on the screen. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. Listen to what he's saying. Run your race as a Christian to win. You should be aiming to win, not lose. Will some people not like you? Of course, but let me just tell you something. No matter who you are or what you believe, someone's not gonna like you. So I'd rather not be liked by people for the love of Jesus Christ, I don't know about you, than anything else. You can't please everybody. You can't even please yourself, come on. You're the person who's most disappointed with you most often is you. So, so listen to me very carefully though. It doesn't mean that you should just pack it in and fold your hands and just wait to die because eventually heaven's gonna come around. No, God wants you to win in life. He wants you to win in your marriage, he wants to win in your singleness, he wants, to, wants you to win in raising those children, he wants you to win in uh, your finances and in your relationship life and, and in all the things that you put your hand to so that the world might see that there's a blessing on you. Some of God's best servants were su su successful. Uh, Abraham had 318 soldiers in his house. How many know you are a rich dude if you got 300 soldiers in your house? David was successful, Solomon was successful. These are mighty men of God who won the race and set an example for us that when we live by faith, we should expect to win in life. So I got three reasons why you should take this seriously. Are you ready? Letter A, we got fans in the stands. We got fans, just like Tom Brady today, Unfortunately, he's gonna have a bunch, well, no, he's not gonna have a bunch of fans because it's COVID, okay, uh, on TV. But you know what, in a real game, you know, in a normal game, there's fans in the stands. Let me just tell you something, there's fans in your stands. The scripture talks about this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and sat down at the right-hand side of God. What was he talking about in Hebrews? He's talking about those great heroes of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, Noah, David, Barak, Deborah, Ruth, Abraham, Moses, all those people, they are now in heaven and they are watching you. They are championing Waters Church, North Attleboro. They're saying, you can do it. We did it, you can do it. Some of you need to say, yeah, but I don't have a perfect record. Neither did Abraham, neither did David, 
There's, this is not the record of perfect people who serve God perfectly. It's a record of people who were flawed, who were handicapped spiritually or physically, and by the grace of God, they were empowered supernaturally to do more than they could possibly think or imagine by God Almighty. The same is true for you. You can experience the power of God to do above and beyond. And you got fans in the stands. Let her be. We're in for an incredible prize. Write it down. We're in for an incredible prize. Some of you have lost friends. You've lost, you've lost money. You've lost jobs because of your faith in Christ. Maybe you've, maybe you've lost relationships that were near and dear to you. Uh, I can tell you this uh, uh, as a matter of fact. I think more people have left Waters Church over the course of time than have joined Waters Church. Cheryl and I, my wife and I, we have seen people come and go. Friends, dear friends who we had in our home, they've come, they've gone. We've had people uh, say false things about us. We've had people attack us online. We still have people attack us online. I don't think we're a healthy church if people aren't attacking us online. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. I like that scripture. That's kind of my life verse. The more you dislike me, the more I might be doing exactly what Jesus wants me to do. Listen to me very carefully, though. The fact of the matter is there is nothing that you lose for the sake of the gospel on this life that you will not get rewarded for in the life to come. You've got a prize awaiting for you. 1 Corinthians 9.24, run that you may obtain the prize. James chapter 1, verse 12, God blesses those, God blesses those who what? Who patiently endure testing and temptation. What test are you going through right now? What test are you experiencing? What, what problem in your life is asking you to surrender your convictions? What, what, what person is just prodding you at the job, at the workplace? What relative is just needling you on Facebook, just trying to get you worked up so that your testimony, so that your character is questioned? These are tests, friend. I, I believe that everything in life is a test. And every day I'm taking God's test in my life. And am I going to win? Am I going to aim for heaven? Am I going to trust that God has got this? He's in charge and he'll see me and he'll reward me if I walk righteously before him. This is what scripture teaches. Hebrews 10, 35. Uh, the writer writes to people who are suffering the, uh, the, um, the confiscation of their property. They're, he's talking to people who are losing their rights. And he says this in verse 35. He says, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember, it has great reward. Patience, endurance is what you need right now so that you'll continue to do God's will and then you will receive all that he has promised. Paul says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. Now think about those two. Think about those two activities, running and boxing. These are not lightweight activities, Amen. Anybody here like to run? Just put your hand up if you like to run. Yeah, we all hate you. Uh, I hate running. <laughs> uh, it, it is the most exhausting thing. I get on the treadmill right before my workout, and I'm just thinking, how long until this is over? You know, I can't wait till it's Or boxing. I mean, boxing is an intense physical exercise. I actually, I don't box, but I've heard that it will shed pounds like crazy. It's intense. What I'm trying to tell you is Christianity is an intense activity. It's not easy. It's not sitting on a lazy boy and sipping a culotta. 
It's not going to just go smoothly every day. You should be expecting there's going to be a challenge. There's going to be something that's going to upend your life. There's going to be someone coming against you. There's going to be temptations that will, that will come at you. There's going to be a devil that's going to speak nastily to you. you got to expect this so that you can stay strong. We are not just walking through life. We are battling through life. And it's all right if you're in the battle. It's all right if you feel beaten up sometimes. We're boxing. It's all right if you sometimes feel exhausted when you get here. It's all right if sometimes you come into water church and you're just, uh, you're just dragging yourself here. Thank God you got here. You made the right choice. Hopefully this gives you a win to your sails. Let her see if you're taking notes. We need intensive spiritual exercise. If we're gonna box, if we're gonna run, we need to exercise for it. We need to, like Tom Brady, take those choices seriously. That when no one's looking, we're preparing. When no one's watching, we're still going into the right direction, making choices about our lives that feed our spirit. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He's a preacher, he's a teacher. This guy who used to hate the church now loves the church. We talked about his conversion this whole series long. And preaching, I don't know if you know this, but preaching is intensive. It's hard work. Thank God I only work one day a week, praise God, because it's really hard. No, no, there are thousands of choices that I make to make sure that I'm strong for you on this day. There are things that I cannot do. There are places that I cannot go. There are people that I cannot talk to. There are, there are routines that I put myself through to make sure that when I get up here and I preach, I'm ready to go. Now listen to me, this is why it applies to you. Because some of you don't realize you've got a congregation. You don't need to have a church building to have a church. You don't need to have seats in front of you to have an audience. See, you're gonna go to the workplace, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. You're gonna go to that office space. You're gonna go to that, that construction site tomorrow. You're gonna go to that school room tomorrow. You're gonna go, and, and everybody there is your congregation. They're watching you. They're listening to the sermon of your life. Are you taking that seriously? Are you ready for it? Are you preparing your body? Are you making some private decisions that empower your public perception? This is important. This is not a game. This is the life and death choice of humanity. We either send people to hell or send people to heaven through the testimony of our lives and through the way we live. We want to send the world to heaven. We want to make it hard for people who we work with to reject Jesus Christ. We want to be attractive to those who are far from God so they'll hear the hope of the gospel and be saved. You got an audience where you work. You got an audience where you live. Man, if you're gonna clap, everybody clap. For heaven's sakes, don't give me these battered claps. Good Lord. Just told you how hard it is to be up here, for heaven's sakes. No, I, what I'm trying to tell you though is take it seriously. See, I get you guys to clap for me. You don't get claps. Uh, you get hostility sometimes. You get rejection. I wanna tell you something. Your reward is great. Your reward is great. So here's, the, here's point two. And we only got two, we only got two points this week. But we got three points under point one and four points under point two. So that's how I sneak nine points into the sermon right there. Point two, I have a choice in the matter. So if my development is a serious matter, here's the good part. I have a choice in the matter. 
I can make choices that will empower my growth or disempower my growth. We wanna change. Change is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And you gotta set the table for change to happen. So back to 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says this, I beat my body. I, the, the English Standard Version, which I read from, says I discipline my body. Other translations of this verse say, I beat my body. And the word for beat here means literally to give somebody a black eye. Think about that. Paul sees his flesh and he's just aiming, black eye. I, I wanna beat the snot out of my flesh. He's, another word translation, he's, he's saying, I, I pummel my body, I make it a slave. Here's what I want you to write down. Make a slave out of your body or your body will make a slave out of you. We, we are Americans. We are living in the, I call America the amusement park country. Every other country, almost every other country, they're just hoping to have food that day. We're wondering what fat are we gonna put into our bodies today? We're wondering what fun are we gonna have today? How are we gonna waste time? We've got things like disposable income. Other countries are like, what? Disposable what? Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we've got houses for our cars in this country. So, some of us use the house that we have for our car for all the stuff we can't bear to part with. This is the amusement park country. And so you gotta make a slave out of your body because your body, I don't know if you know this, your body is demanding. I'm not talking about your spirit, I'm talking about your body, your flesh. Your, your flesh is immature. Your flesh is childish. And if you don't do things to control the flesh, the flesh will control you. I wanna tell you there's things that you can do just like you do for a plant. We weed out, we feed, we water, we do things that are necessary to make sure that this thing starts to grow. If we just leave this plant, how's it gonna do? It's not gonna do very well. Some of you need to understand this. There are things you can do to make growth happen in your life. So let me give you four and then we're done. Letter A, prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. Just getting on your knees and praying to God. I, I, I like to call that spiritual fertilizer for my life. And, and here's the thing about, about prayer. We, we don't like to pray. You know that uh, Billy Graham once said that heaven is filled with answers to prayers that were never asked. There, there are things that God wants to give you in your life right now. Things he wants to pour out into your life. All you gotta do is ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door is gonna be open to you. I don't know about you, but I wanna receive some things from heaven. I wanna find some good things from God and I want doors to be opened in my life. God says, ask, I'll give. And we have to have confidence knowing that he wants us to ask. He told us to ask. Some of you say, well, it feels selfish. I should really just pray for the poor people in Africa. Well, yeah, you can pray for them and you should pray for them, but pray that your life is strong. Some of you say, well, I don't know how to pray. I haven't been a Christian very long. Okay, listen, this is how you get good at prayer. It, you get good at prayer the same way that you got good at walking. 
Anybody, anybody remember when they learned how to walk? No, you don't. Anybody nail it the first time they walked? No, you didn't. Mom put you up on your feet, and here's what you did. You fell over to the other side. Now, did you just say to yourself, like some people say about prayer, well, I guess it's not my gift. It's not my gift to walk. I guess I'm just gonna sit around all my life. No, you got back up on your feet and you tried again. This is what prayer is. Prayer is practice. You gotta practice praying. I want to challenge you to do something this week. I've never said this publicly from the stage at Waters Church. I'm gonna say it this week. If you're part of a Waters Church life group, I want you this week at life group to pray in front of the rest of the life group. Out loud. Let them hear you. I want you to go for it. Poor, poor small group leaders. All the small groups are gonna be empty this week at Waters Church. Okay. You gotta try. You gotta put yourself out there. I, I think that we get better at prayer. And I think about this. A prayer is the fertilizer. It's just gonna help the right things grow and it's gonna stifle the wrong things from growing. Anybody following me here? By the way, we got it roadmap for us how we should pray in Matthew chapter six. Jesus gave us a model prayer. Now, I want to just remind you that when he gives us the model prayer, which we call, Catholics call the Our Father, we, 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 we don't do that repeatedly in our church. But when Jesus gives us that model prayer, he doesn't say, when you pray, this is what you should say. No, this is what he says. When you pray, this is how you should pray. In other words, I'm not giving you a rote prayer to repeat mindlessly. I'm giving you an outline of how to cultivate good prayer in your life. So let's take it step by step. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's worship. Open up prayer by worshiping God. Let him know you know he's bigger than your problems. Let him know you know he's great and mighty. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's called surrender. That's when you say, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. Lord, it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. Lord, I think I know what I want, but you know what's good for me. So I surrender right now to what you want for my life. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. What's that? That's petition. What are your needs? What do you need today? And by the way, he says, give us this day. Sometimes you just gotta pray about the day's needs. You don't have to worry about three months away or two years away. You just need to worry about today. Help me to be a witness for you today. Help me to be a shining light in that office today. Help me not to get angry when that person comes and starts arguing politics with me today. Help me to be ready with an answer for why I believe in you today, in Jesus' name. Amen, somebody. And then, and then he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That's called repentance and confession of sin. And, and the Bible says we know that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every time we say what we've sinned to God, it's like a fresh, brand new start. The, 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 the slate is clean and we get to start over right then in Jesus' name. And then he ends with, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What's that? That's a sanctification prayer. God, I pray you just set me aside from this world. I pray that you keep me out of the wrong places. I pray that you keep me in the right places. I pray that you don't let the devil get into my ear today. Don't let that demon convince me to sin against you today. Help me to listen to the voice of truth and not the voice of life. And I'm telling you something, if you start practicing this prayer, you're going to be strong on the game of life in front of everybody around you, and they're going to see Jesus through you. They're going to see Jesus through you. Now I say, prayer and the word, and the reason why I say prayer, prayer and the word is because, um, you need to read through the word and pray over it. Some of you say, well, I don't know what to pray. Well, just open up one of the epistles of Paul and start to read what he says and pray that over your life. 
This morning, I was in Ephesians chapter four, just praying through that. It says in Ephesians chapter four, be angry, but do not sin. I was just praying that over my life. How many, how many of you, you get angry and then you sin? By the way, sin is, anger is not a sin. God is angry. Anger is not a sin, it's what we do with anger. So I said, Lord, you know that I get angry about things. I pray I don't sin about it. I pray I don't sin in my anger, in Jesus' name. Oh, I would add one more thing to prayer, uh, other than the Lord's prayer, Thanksgiving prayers. This is gonna bring life, this is gonna bring a spirit of positivity into your life. When you just start praying to God, giving thanks for what he's put into your life. So the other day I was walking my dog, and I was just talking to God. And I do this on a regular basis. When I walk the dog, I talk to God. And so I uh, was walking and, and I was just mad. And I was probably mad because I had to pick up her poop as I usually do. And I was just talking about my life and talking about what was going on. I just realized halfway through the walk and the Lord kind of convicted me. He said, you know that everything I've heard out of your mouth today is a complaint? And I said, yes, you're right, Lord. And so I just started to say, thanks for the good things in my life. The second half of the walk, I just started to list the things that were positive in my life. I started to say, thank you, God, that I can walk the dog. How many know it's a blessing to be able to walk? Not everybody has that blessing. I started to thank God that the dog was healthy. I'm thanking God for a healthy dog. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, my dog's not just healthy, my kids are healthy. My kids love the Lord. I'm so glad I have kids who love the Lord. I just started to give thanks. I, thank, I thanked God for my wife, my beautiful wife. She's more beautiful than she's ever been in my life before. Amen. I say that because I know she's watching right now. Praise God, I'm getting some bonus points right now. Amen. <laughs> and I gave thanks for that. I gave thanks for that. I have a place to sleep that's comfortable. I have a comfortable bed. I just started to thank, I thank God for you people. I said, thank you, God, for a church that shows up and listens to me preach. I have no idea why, but they're there every weekend. Praise God. I gave thanks for you, the staff, the people, where our church is going. I gave thanks for what God has done, how he brought our church from 20 people to over 2,000 people over 18 years. God is faithful when you give him thanks. And I've got to tell you something. When I was starting to thank God, my spirit just started to change. And the end of that, the end of that walk, I was just on cloud nine because I took time to thank God for what I had instead of complain about what I didn't have. Do you understand? You're giving yourself, you're given a thousand reasons a day to complain. You need to stop listening to what the world tells you you need and what you should have and what you should deserve. And you need to start thanking God for what you already got. It's going to change your spirit. Luke 5, 16. It says, he, Jesus, often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. He often withdrew to the wilderness prayer. He's the son of God, and he's getting alone to pray. If the son of God needed to get alone to pray, so do you. It makes you stronger. Letter B, gotta get through this fast. Fasting and separation. Now we're gonna fast together starting next week. How many of you are excited about this? Not enough. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. And I, I've never done this on the fast. We do this every year. We do a three-day campaign to fast. So we're gonna have lunch next Sunday. Not together, on your own. And... Uh, <laughs> And then we're gonna have no, no food and no protein drinks and, and, and no blending up your steak and potatoes and drinking it. No food until Tuesday lunch. Then we're gonna get together here on Tuesday and worship God like never before, amen. 
How many of you, I wanna just ask this question in the audience here. How many of you, and this is close for you in Florida as well, how many of you are going to participate in the fast? Raise your hand, let me see. Okay, how, how, put your hands down, thank you very much. How many of you are on the fence about fasting with us? Just put your hands up, just put your hands up. You've never done it before, you're scared, you're nervous, okay, put your hands How many of you are like, there's no way in heck I'm giving up food, I don't care what you say, Pastor. All right, All right put your hands up. I wanna talk to the people who are on the fence, who've never done it, I wanna convince you to do it. Fasting is one of the best things you can do for your spiritual life and for your physical life. Uh, let me talk about the physical for a moment. You understand that there are some there are, there, there's a problem with your physicality just normally as a person. Your stomach is a spoiled, rotten brat. The reason why is because three times a day, some of you more than three times a day, your stomach goes, and you just shove food down its throat. As soon as the stomach gets a little bit angry, food, and you just stuff it, stuff it. Are you happy yet? Stuff it. And, and what you've done is you have trained your stomach to be spoiled and it's running your life, and it's starting to do a toll on your life. Uh, when you eat food, especially in this country, just watch yourself a couple of specials on Netflix to freak you out about this. Uh, when you eat food, you are ingesting new toxins every time you eat, and those toxins are getting into your body, and they never come out the more you eat. Enjoy lunch. You are toxifying, you are poisoning your body. So now here's the deal. When you skip a number of meals and you fast, your body doesn't have to use energy to process new toxins and new fats and new minerals. So guess what it does? It's got all this energy that it suddenly has to go and find old toxins and flush them out of your body. This is how you get brain fog because you don't fast. This is how you get unhealthy uh, skin diseases and, and, and problems in your, in your digestive system because you don't fast. You got some things going on up here that are never gonna get cleansed out until you stop feeding the beast that's down here. You need to teach this child inside of you how to behave, how to listen to you so that you don't have to listen to it. And the more you do this, I'm telling you, not only does it clear your mind and give you sharp focus, but it actually empowers you in the Holy Ghost. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six, verse 17, when you fast, notice the word, when. Not, hey, if you're thinking about fasting, maybe you should. No, when, I'm expecting that it's gonna happen. Anoint your head, wash your face, fast in secret, and your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. There's a spiritual connection that happens when we disconnect from food. I want you to write this down, actually. Fasting is physical disunion from food so that your spirit can more fully experience union with God. We take time away from what is normal and natural to experience what is not normal and supernatural. Are you following me here? Here's what, Paul, here's what Jesus said. By the way, separate not just from food, Separate from social media. We're not just gonna fast social, well, we're not just gonna fast food next week. We're gonna ask you to fast all social media the entire fast. How many of you are excited about that one right there? Praise God. Social media is a toxin. It's a poison that you keep going back to. And uh, so, so I want you to do this with us. Don't check Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Don't post. We're not posting. You won't see anything from us. You won't see anything from me. Just stay off and watch your spirit rise. I'm telling you, it's gonna help you. 
I was reading this week about, from the Journal of Neurology. The Journal of Neurology found this. They're doing these studies about these screens right here. These screens, these poisonous screens that just feed our spirit again and again. More and more reason to be bitter, angry, to hate others. So they were talking about this. Did you know that the lateral eye movement is the natural process by which we relax? When your eyes move laterally, side to side, you actually relax. I'm not a for this, I don't condone this, but that's why when they hypnotize you, they move something back and forth. It causes you to relax. This is Journal of Neurology. They've done research now that the opposite motion of your eyes, this actually causes anxiety. Now, I want you to think about this. Look at the world. How are you meant to look at the world? Side to side. There's not much up there. There's not much down there. There's a lot this way. Think about television. Every television is normally wider than it is taller. Every computer screen, wider than it is taller. Why is that? Because we were made to look at the world like that. Even your eyes, notice how your eyes go wider than they go taller, right? Now, the first screen in human history that we have attached our eyes to that is taller than it is wider is this screen. And not only do we stare at it for hours on end a day, but we pull, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the slot machine pull. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me see what I can get mad about right now. Let me see what I can see what other people are doing right now. Let me find out what so-and-so had for lunch right now. And we get angry. And some of you young girls, you go on this screen and you look and you see what your friends did that didn't invite, they didn't invite you to, so now you feel depressed about yourself. Some of you guys see some other dude in the gym at the mirror posting pictures of his six-pack and you got a keg and you're wondering what happened to you. And you're measuring yourself constantly by everybody else. You don't need to do that. See, I got a problem too. I got FOMO. I always think I'm missing out on something. I want to know what's going on in Washington, D.C. I want to know what's going on in politics because I'm a political junkie. And I need to separate that stuff because it gets into my spirit and it makes me a nasty human being. And I'm looking forward to fasting and getting off of this thing so that God can speak to me and not this world can speak to me. So that I can remind my flesh that I know Jesus is on the throne. It doesn't matter who's in charge of this country. Let, let me just give you another passage of scripture Mark chapter 6 31 come away by yourself to a lonely place that's a command by, by Jesus come away and get alone you need to have some alone time on purpose with God okay let her see gotta get going let her see consistent Christ-centered community you want to get this growth happening in your spiritual life get in community Jesus did this in his own life I want to say, if Jesus needed to pray, you need to pray. Hey, if Jesus needed a small group, you need a small group. Mark chapter 3, 13. He went up on a mountain, and he called to them those that he wanted to himself, and they came to him, verse 14, and he appointed the 12 so that they might be with him. Before you get to preach, he says, just be with me. I just want to do community with you. I just want to have a relationship with you. Isn't that cool? Jesus, I just want to have a small group. The Son of God said, I need a small group. So do you. This is big group. Who's your small group? Who can you call when you're struggling in life? Who, who, who can you call if your mom suddenly goes into the hospital? Who's gonna pray with you if you suddenly get bad news from the school about your kid? Who do you got on the phone that's just a phone call away? Because you're intentional about creating small group community. Some of you need to do that today. Sign up at our 
counters for a life group. Letter D and finally, ordinances of the body of Christ. Ordinances. There are two ordinances to the church that strengthen our faith, baptism and communion. When we get saved, we get baptized, and after we're saved, we get to watch other people get baptized. By the way, that's why we record your baptisms and put them on the screen, because your baptism testimony feeds my faith. And we need to see that again and again and again, other people getting saved, coming to Jesus. And then communion, which we're gonna do right now. We're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 10, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the seas and they all were baptized. They were all baptized into Moses and they all drank from the, they all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, are we not sharing the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, are we not sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. You know what happens with the ordinances? It brings us together. It reminds us we're not alone. We're eating a meal that St. Peter ate. We're eating a meal that St. Augustine ate. We're eating a meal that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. ate. We're eating a meal that thousands of Christians, millions, probably billions of Christians worldwide over the course of 2,000 years of history have eaten. It reminds us we belong to the body.